Yeah, well, that woke you up, didn't it? There you go. No, no sleeping as I go on either. Yeah. Uh, it's also great to have with us um, some guys from uh, Hernhut, Germany. Maybe I can... Uh, Maybe I could ask you just to stand up quickly so people can see who you are. <laughs> Please grab them afterwards and make them feel welcome and ask them about what God's doing amongst them. As you know, Hernhut's such a significant uh, town in the life of the church where revival uh, broke out, a hundred-year prayer meeting was there, and actually it, they sent missionaries around the world. And of course, uh, John Wesley himself was influenced by the Moravian movement, and, um, uh, and which changed the landscape of the UK, really, through his preaching. So um, yeah, go and find out what God is doing amongst them at the moment. It's a great joy to have you guys here with us. Be, hope you've been blessed so far, even if you had to go out during a slightly strange fire alarm, which I wasn't aware of either. So there you go. It's a surprise to me. Well done. Anyway, isn't it a great privilege to gather together as God's chosen people in his presence? Amen? I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but uh, may you never lose that sense of wonder of what it is to be able to enter into the Holy Spirit's presence as, uh, uh, through Jesus Christ. That you, just a, a human being as you are, can come into the presence of the living, almighty God. It's such a wonderful thing. That is our great joy. That's our great privilege as Christians. That we get to know God and will enjoy him forever. And if you're not a Christian here today, as Anna's already said, that is on offer to you through Jesus' death, through his resurrection. For in truth, that is what we were made for. That is the deepest longing that is there within our soul. It cries out to know God. The core of who you are as a person, is not found in your wealth, it's not found in your social status or your social media following number as well, it's not found in your place within society or your family, it's not found in your sexuality despite our modern culture's fix fixation on it, <clears throat> but the core of who you are is found in God. You were made in the image of God. You were made to know God. You were made for God. And your heart will never actually truly be satisfied until it is satisfied by God. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? And my friends, your soul, whether you realize it or not, is crying out to know God and to have a relationship with him. You know, the South Africans were like this. I was watching the Rugby World Cup last week, the final, and uh, the, yeah, there's a few South Africans in the room. I don't think there's many New Zealand people in the room, are there? Sorry, guys. But, uh, but anyway, 
What struck me from that, apart from a lot of uh, uh, great rugby and a lot of interesting twists and turns, but was the crowd were singing the song, We Will Rock You, yeah, from Freddie Mercury. You know, he died about 30 years ago, and he arguably was a man in his time who gained the whole world. And yet he said this, you can have everything that this world, in this world, and still be the loneliest man. And that's the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. How sad is that? He gained the whole world. And actually, in truth, if you look at his life, he had a loving, ongoing relationship, which he chose to leave for a more promiscuous lifestyle. Because even the best of human relationships, as good as they are, will not satisfy the deepest longing of your soul. That is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 3, verses 8 to 9, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. How are you doing with your relationship? I'm not talking about your religion, not talking about you coming to church. I'm talking about how are you doing with your relationship with Jesus Christ. You feel like the Apostle Paul. If you don't know Jesus here, you're missing out on what life is actually about. The one who can only, the only one who can truly satisfy your soul. And for those of us who do know Jesus, don't let over-familiarity creep in and cause you then to get distracted by the things of this world, which can happen to us all. We can take God for granted, take coming into the presence of the living God for granted, and we get distracted from, what is, from who is truly important and what also is truly important. Because there's a world out there that needs to know Jesus, and Jesus wants to use us. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm 40. It will appear on the screen behind me in a minute. But my message can be summed up basically by pulling together a bit from verse 1, a bit from verse 4, and a bit from verse 9 that says something along the lines of, Wait patiently for the Lord, for blessed is the one who makes the Lord his trust and tells the glad news of his deliverance. That's the summary, if you like, of my message. But let's, let's look at Psalm 40 together. It's a wonderful psalm. Let's let's read it. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man or woman who makes the Lord his trust, 
who does not turn to the proud, to those who goes astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, you, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering, you have not required. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me, I delight to do your will. O oh my God, your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the, con- in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help. And my deliverer, do not delay, O my God. Hallelujah. What a great psalm. What's interesting about this psalm of David is that he looks back at a time in his life where God had delivered him in the past, verses 1 to 2. He praises God for that whilst recognizing that he's currently in a place where He has present evils from others around him and also evils from within his own heart arising up and causing him trouble, verses 13 to 15. And he closes the psalm with recognizing his own inability to deliver himself from uh, this situation is in, verse 17. You can see it up there on the screen behind me. Michael Wilcock says... On this, as he's commenting on the psalm, every experience of the Lord's grace in the past should look should uh, should lead us to look up to Him with trust in the present and the future as well. My friends, how easy is it for us to identify with David in this psalm? There are difficult times in all of our lives, yes? There's dark times, there's, there's troubled times that we all have to go through, especially if you live for Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3 tells us, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life 
in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Sometimes it's just the hardships of life, though. Sometimes it's just through no fault of our own, things happen. Sometimes it's caused, as this psalm identifies, by our own iniquities, our own sin taking uh, over and the consequences of them coming back to bite us, as it were. We're in a trouble of our own making. Could be people at your school or your workplace. they making things difficult for you because of your faith or just because they don't like you or maybe a mixture of the two as well because those things are possible as well. It could be problems of, uh, in your life. could be problems of your health. could be problems with your mental health. could be the greed of others, meaning your life is caught within a, a pit of destruction because other people are trying to take advantage of you. That, that the walls of trouble feel like they're encompassing your life. Even if you're in a good place this morning, as I'm sure you know, many of you are, live long enough and there will be times that, where you go into difficulty as, uh, as, uh, again. And I'm sure that will happen. You know, verse 13 to 15 of this psalm are virtually repeated in Psalm 70. It should appear on the screen behind me so you can have a quick glance at, at how similar they are. Because of more than one occasion in David's life, he needed God's deliverance, and so will you, my friends. And when you do, along with David, seek the Lord for his help. Direct your hearts towards the Lord. Look to him for his help and deliverance. For trials are part of living in this fallen world. They will come your way. They're a reality that ultimately comes back to the fact that we as human beings chose to rebel against God when he had made things perfect. And uh, they're part of this life. But more than that, as I've already made clear, and as Jesus makes clear to us, they, they, they're, they're, there's an increase of them when you become a Christian because you are no longer of the world. Jesus says in John 15, if you are of the world... The world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You know, when Paul and Barnabas went around planting churches, when they went back to encourage them, this is their encouragement to them in Acts 14. They say to them that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. My friends, troubles will come your way. Some little, some big, some massive that are really difficult for us to cope with. But ultimately, when they do, we need to go to, to Jesus. He's the one who will help us. We need to make the Lord our trust, as verse 4 encourages us to. Not the arrogant ideas and philosophies of, of man, which aren't based on the truth of God's word. They're based on our own pride, us trying to solve our own issues. That's not what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to come to Jesus and let him help us. Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher, says, Trusting the Lord is the evidence, indeed the essence, of salvation. 
And David in this psalm encourages us to trust God and to look to him, waiting for him to deliver us and bring his blessing, which of course ultimately will come when Christ returns. Then he will right every wrong. Then he will deal with sin and death and they will be no more. He will lead, there'll be no pit of destruction there for his people. There'll no, be no sin without and there'll be no sin within us, ensnaring us. We will live on a renewed and a perfected world forever. Hallelujah. That's what we're living for as Christians. That's where our focus needs to be. And all the trials, all the temptations, all the difficulties that come our way in this life are opportunities for us to demonstrate our faith and our trust in God, knowing that he will reward us for every act and decision of obedience that we make. Plus, God, in his good providence, uses them to develop a Christ-like character within our hearts. That's why the Apostle James writes, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, so those trials are going to continue, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. And I can tell you when you'll be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, because it will be the same time I am, and that's when Christ has returned. So ultimately, the deliverance from God will be when Christ comes and begins the new age. But even here and now, God will deliver those who put their trust in him. Hallelujah. Who have made Jesus their Lord. Who, along with verse 8 of this psalm, say, I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. And what is the will of God for you and the will of God for me? Jesus is actually very clear and it's very simple. He says this in John 6, that you believe in the one whom God has sent, namely himself, namely Jesus, that you believe in him. It's through faith in Jesus that we are saved. It's through faith in Jesus that we receive the promised Holy Spirit who comes and lives inside of us, changes us from the inside out, and gives us that heart that wants to please God, puts God's law within us, gives us that desire to please him with our lives rather than just going through religious motions or ceremony or things like that because we think it will earn some favor. No, no, no. We do it out of love for God. Those things, even the things in the Old Testament, were just shadows pointing forward to the true sacrifice that Jesus Christ would make on the cross once for all time. In fact, it'll appear on the screen behind me as well. Hebrews 10 takes those verses from 6 to 7 in our psalm and applies them specifically to the person of Jesus. He is the fulfillment of those verses of that psalm. Although the principle does work out into our lives too. God is not looking for some religious duty from you but he's looking for a heart 
that loves to please him, a heart that wants to serve him. Matthew Henry writes on verse 8, When the law of God is written in our hearts, our duty will be our delight. When you wait patiently for the Lord to deliver you in the situation that you're in, you're showing trust in the providential hand of God on your life. You're, you're, when you're there crying to him, make haste to help me, as verse 13 says, you're, when you recognize that you're poor and needy and that you need God's help, as verse 17 encourages us to, know that the Lord takes thought of you. He's not ignoring you, even though it may, he may not answer immediately. It's why we have to wait patiently. He has thought of you. And even when we fail to do things, which all of us do, thanks to Jesus, he will not restrain his mercy from you, his steadfast love, and his faithfulness will preserve you, as verse 11 of our psalm makes clear. You see, you have to understand that your heavenly Father, he loves you. He loves the person next to you too, but he loves you. His eyes are on you. He has an everlasting love for you. He sent his son to die so that you could know his love, that you could receive his forgiveness, that you would not perish, but that you could have everlasting life with him, as John 3, 16 makes clear. That's why the Apostle Paul could write, and I'm so pleased that Anna read those verses, because they, uh, what I want to read to you too, now in uh, Romans 8, and they'll appear on the screen behind me. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And it goes on, and Paul goes on to explain how nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's not just a, a concept that we, we get in our minds. God wants you to experience that in your hearts, even through the difficult times that you're going through. He wants you to know his love in your life. And the Holy Spirit wants to make that truth a reality to you if you allow him to. You see, David was a chosen instrument of, of God uh, through whom the greater David, that is Christ, would come. And the reason Christ came was to make a way for all humanity to be delivered from their sin, forgiven through his death on the cross so that we could experience his mercy and his steadfast love forever. So, my friends, as is been so abundantly clear through this morning's uh, the words and the worship that have come. God's that shepherd. He's the one who's tenderly looking after us. He's the one who is guarding our lives and leading us in the way we should go. And he is the one who wants to, you to know his love. He's completely trustworthy. He will deliver you. He will deliver you from every situation that you go through. And even when from our perspective, it seems like, well, this isn't the deliverance I was expecting. I don't seem to be delivered at all from it, in fact. Trust him. Because in his sovereignty, he has a plan and a purpose in it. There's eternal significance and eternal reward 
for you as you trust him through that difficult time. John Calvin says, as he's commenting on this psalm, God governs the affairs of this world according to his own good pleasure. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. More than that, God, as I said, hasn't left you as orphans. He's given us his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is in us and is with us every step of the way to help us, to comfort us, to guide us. And this leads me on to my final point with you. You see, David the psalmist makes clear he will proclaim and tell all people of God's wondrous deeds Verse 4. And that's one of the things that the Spirit is wanting to help you and I to do, to be able to proclaim God's wondrous deeds to the world around us. David told the congregation of people around him, he did not restrain his lips. Verse 9 makes clear. Even though he was currently in a difficult time, and so life looked hard for him at that time, he did not hide his hope in God's coming deliverance. He didn't hide it in his heart, but he spoke about it. He spoke about God's faithfulness, salvation, and steadfast love, as verse 10 makes clear. Jacobson, writing on this psalm, says, Praise is first and foremost testimony to others, to the world, to the neighbor, to the congregation, about what God has done. Therefore, praise is a cup of cold water that the faithful person has no right to withhold from his neighbor who is thirsty for God, whether they realize they're thirsty for God or not. I've never had anyone say to me, I'm really thirsty for God who doesn't know Jesus. And yet, actually, that's what they are. They just don't realize it. They're just looking for it in the wrong place. It is not God who needs our praise but it's we who need to praise God. You were made to praise God. Your heart will only be truly satisfied when it's in that relationship with God, when you're living for him and trying to please him. My friends, the psalm is clear to all of you here that we must proclaim to all the deliverance of the Lord. And this means, in the covenant that we're in, pointing people to Jesus, that they need to surrender their life to him as king, that they need to make him the one who's in charge of their decisions of what they do. You want trouble around yourself to stop? You want trouble around your loved ones to be no more? Of course you do. You want the wars that we see raging around the world at the moment to cease? You want suffering to be a thing of the past? Then Christ needs to come back. For Jesus is clear that none of these things will stop. In fact, they will get worse until he returns. And why has Christ not come back yet? Because he wants all people to hear the good news of what God has done. 
of the deliverance he has for them and of the steadfast love that he wants to pour out on them if they receive Jesus. And then the end can come as Matthew 24 and 2 Peter 3 make abundantly clear to us and they should appear there behind me. Religious sacrifice and ritual he's not looking for. He's looking for a heart of obedience, a heart of love, a heart of trust in him, and a heart that wants to go and tell the glad news, the good news, the gospel, in other words, of deliverance to the great congregation. So my friends, let's get on with it. Let's make sure we are people that are telling that glad news to those around us. Amen? Amen. Can I invite the band back up? Let me uh, to lead us uh, in worship. I'm going to finish this time by reading this psalm over us again. And uh, just let the truth of this psalm sink into your, your souls. If you're able to, can I encourage you to stand? And maybe just be in a position of, if you feel comfortable, just placing your hands out before God, receiving from him as you listen to this truth. And then I'm going to pray over us. But listen to this truth. Listen to the, This was written by David, but the Holy Spirit inspired him to write it and recorded it in Scripture for you and I to read it, for you and I to benefit from it, for you and I to know the truth. So just, just maybe even close your eyes, have your hands out before God. Whatever trouble you're going through or one of your loved ones is going through, just be quietly bringing that before God in your heart. And just allow this psalm to stir you. Allow the truth of this psalm to encourage you also to be sharing the deliverance of the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offerings you've not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you've not required. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of your book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in, in the great congregation. Behold, I have not Restrain my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. 
My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those who put let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I'm poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Father, thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. Lord God, thank you that you know each person here. You know where they're at. You know what they're going through. And Lord, I just pray, even now by your Holy Spirit, would you just draw close to them? Would they know your help, Lord God? Would they know your your comfort, Lord God. Lord God, would they know your deliverance? Would you rescue them from the difficult situations that they face, Lord God? And Father, Lord, those um, that you're causing to stay in it for a bit longer, Lord God, may they know your grace and your help in that trial, Lord Jesus. And Father, for those of us that are, uh, are not in that place at the moment, Lord God, may we continue to press in and to praise you and to tell of your great works to others. Lord Jesus. Father, help us to be a church that, that waits for you, that trusts you, and that tells others about you, Lord Jesus. Help us to be a people that get on with your great commission that you have for us, Lord God. And Father, I just pray, be upon us. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, and as I've been speaking, you've just been having that stirring in your heart of actually, okay, this is what I've been looking for. This is the, the one that I need to get to know. And you're in that place where you want to make a, a prayer of surrender to God. And just pray this in your heart along with me and then come and speak to me after the meeting. Just, just say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved me enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me of all the things that I've done wrong. And through the power of your spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, help me to live the rest of my life for you. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen.